Good morning. Lights are coming up. We're in the book of Philippians. If you have the Bible with you, turn over to the book of Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. Just the way I find it, okay? Hey, this morning we've uh, been doing about a 12-week series walking through this book of joy. And uh, today's just uh, joy maturity. Could have been, uh, could have titled it Joy on the Job. But just joy. And we're going to look at two uh, characters today. His name is Timothy and Epaphroditus. Say Epaphroditus with me. Epaphroditus. Sounds like a disease. It's a skin disease when you go to dirt. No, no, it's really not. Epaphroditus and Timothy. These are two guys that are very special to uh, Timothy and him, or very special to the Apostle Paul. And um, you can usually tell a lot about a person by the, the people they choose to be their friends. Have you ever noticed that? You, you remember when your mom told you or tells you now, I want you to be careful when you hang around that boy or that girl. Be careful who you associate with. Cor uh, Corinthians says, bad company corrupts character. <laughs> and that's what your mama's trying to say is, when you run with them, see, I used to be that one. Nobody like, Daddy, when you hang around Keith, you better watch it. He's a hellion, you know, and like, thank God for grace. What are you laughing about? Some of you were the same way. Not all of you were sanctified at young ages, but I'm glad a lot of you were. Paul had lots of friends. The reason I know that is when you read Romans 16, it gives you a whole list, a litany of people that were associated with the Apostle Paul. Paul also had a lot of enemies, a lot on his own uh, of what he had done with his life before he came to Christ, and he had persecuted and martyred and killed believers. But he did have a lot of friends. But there's two that we look at today that we, we're spending all our time on Timothy and Epaphroditus. And these two were very special to Paul, and you'll see for a lot of reasons. Uh, the Bible says that Timothy was like a son to Paul. He wasn't a biological son, but he was a, a true son in the faith. And he was very dear to him, and, and he loved him profoundly. And Epaphroditus was like a brother. He just uh, was special, and uh, he encouraged Paul, as we'll look at today, and he walked alongside. Because see, you got to remember, the book of Philippians is written from a jail cell. He's under house arrest. He's arrest. He's uh, uh, going to be under the emperor, and, and there's an opportunity to be executions going to come his way. So Paul is now not free to travel. And he's writing these books, these epistles, and he writes this particular book to the people of Philippi. And because he is not free to travel, people have to come to him, and he sends people. And he sends, and he receives Timothy, and he sends, and he receives Epaphroditus. It's just a beautiful thing of what happens. And, and uh, Howard Hendricks, a great Christian educator from Dallas Theological Seminary, once said that everybody needs three people in their life. They need three types of friends. And you've maybe heard this before. But everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Barnabas. And everybody needs a Timothy. And what he was basically saying is, Paul represents that person in your faith that is a spiritual mentor. You might write on your notes today who your spiritual mentor is and circle them. They've had a profound influence on your life. My spiritual mentor is Dr. Andy Harris. He's an oral surgeon, retired now. Love that man. My wife and I love him. And him and his wife pray for Don and I every single day. For 38 years, he's prayed for me daily. Had a tremendous impact on my life. He'll, he'll always be my Paul, and I'm grateful for him. And maybe you have a Paul. I don't know. And the, the next one is a, is a Barnabas. That's a personal, close friend. I mean close. Oh, probably a lot closer than your blood relatives. You know what I'm saying? 
and they're an encourager, and man, they walk with you. And I've got a Barnabas. And do you have a Barnabas? And you might be blessed, and you've got several Barnabases or close friends. I don't know. And then there, everybody needs a Timothy. And everybody needs a Timothy in that there's one that you don't lord over them, but you're a little farther. You've made a little more progression in the faith. You're a little more mature in some spiritual issues. And you have a person that comes around you and up under you, and you support, and you stir, and you speak into their life. And you need a Timothy. And the church said, these are the three kinds of friends we need. You always need to be looking, and maybe when that person graduates or they feel like they can move on, then you find, Lord, would you give me another Timothy? I know this. When I ask the Lord for Timothys, he always sends them. They're always there. They're hungry to grow. So I, I love what Hendricks teaches there. You know, but uh, a lot of times we, in spiritual realms, this, I, I just want you to think about this for a minute. An athlete, a celebrity, a superstar gets born again. They get saved. There's only one problem that we've done. We make them an instant spiritual hero, and it's horrible. They've got theology that deep. They've got no track record. They've not been tested. They've not been proven, but they got money. They got status. They got power. And then they look like a bunch of dumbos when they fall so hard. When you look at Epaphroditus and Timothy... They'd been tested. And the Bible says they were genuine and mature in their faith. And I'm saying, God, that's what we need. I want to give you a little formula today. I want you to write down T plus D equals G. And some of you are like, no, I'm not back in math class, am I? Yeah, you are today. Spiritual class. T plus D equals G. And let me give it to you what it is. T is simply time. The time and effort that it takes to be a disciple to prove your worth or your value as a Christ follower. That D is, is for discipline of how it just takes fortitude and it takes work and determination and your discipline to work through the spiritual disciplines of faith. So it takes time and it takes discipline. So T plus D equals growth. That we grow in the likeness of Jesus. It's one of my prayers that I pray every day. Lord Jesus, today I want to grow more into your likeness than I was yesterday. Now, I'm a preacher, so I alliterate. When I was in seminary, we would learn to alliterate everything. And matter of fact, it was almost like I was uh, OCD and I obsessed over everything with whatever letters. And I used to preach like that. And I would read my Bible. I would have my devotions like that. I would go to the store. I would buy stuff all in the A's, the G's. I mean, I know you're going, Keith, there's a sickness for that. I know. And now I'm not so bad, but, but, but we, we just alliterate. and We just get into this thing, and we're like, God, help us to, to figure this out. But here is a look at this. But, so I get into this G mode every morning in my prayer time. Lord Jesus, I want to grow in your likeness. But I don't stop there. And then I go, God, I want you to guard my heart, my mind. And I don't stop there. And then I go, then God, could you ground me in the scriptures today? You're like, man, you really do have it bad, don't you? And then I go, but God... Today, could my life reflect your glory? Could I give you glory? See, that's the only reason we're here, folks, is to give glory to Jesus. And the church said, that's why you're here. You're saying, no, I'm here to look good. Well, you do look good. But you're here to give Christ glory. 
Either you give him glory or you, you give him a bum rap. So I'm hoping you're choosing to, to bless him. So here's the presence of Timothy and the presence of Epaphroditus. And, and Paul is, uh, you got to remember, if you're Paul's friend, you're Paul's associate, there's a possibility that you might suffer like the Apostle Paul did. So a lot of times people didn't want to sign up to be the friend of Paul because they were thinking, man, I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to be marred. Uh, it's not going to be good. Here's what I like about friends. A true friend will stand with you no matter what. A true friend comes to you when everybody else leaves and it's dark and you're lonely. A true friend is active and involved in your life when everybody else says no. A true friend will come and will sit with you in the hospital, by your hospital bed when nobody else sits. A true friend will come and sit quietly with you when you grieve and mourn and need a friend. A true friend will be available at a moment's notice. I mean, they just stop everything they're doing, and they go, I will be there. I've got some friends like that in my life, and I've been a friend like that to some other people that I go, you know what, no matter what's going on, where I'm at, I will shut it down. I'll be there. And you're saying, well, Keith, I I'm a friend like that. That's awesome. Here's a real friend. They will come to you in the middle of the night. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do y'all like your sleep? Hello? How many of you like sleep? Yeah, you sleep really good on Sunday mornings? No, okay, yeah. But we, we like sleep, don't we? And when a true friend, though, they, they will break that rhythm and go, you know what, they need me. I need to be there. And a true friend will lend help when work is to be done. So that's what I see about these guys. If you look there in Philippians 2, look at the scriptures, and look down there at verse 19. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. And then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. Paul was deeply concerned about the state of the church at Philippi and how they were progressing and how they were getting along at the faith. And he goes, I've got one here. His name is Timothy. And Timothy, Timothy's name in the Greek means one who honors God. Don't you like that name? Some of you are going to say, I'm going to name my kid Timothy. I like that. And Timothy, of so many people in Scripture, he's one that truly honors the Lord. And we read about him in the Pauline uh, letters as we read the letters of Paul. He was a, Timothy was a, a protege. He was a father, it was a father-son relationship. He was a, a missionary statesman. He was a speaker for the church, for the synagogues, for the, the gatherings of believers. He could stand and he could, he could uh, be an orator. He could proclaim the gospel. He would speak about the excellent name of Jesus. And he would teach people in different villages. And he would uh, be willing to undergo persecution or he would be an emissary. Or he would, uh, you know, it, sometimes he would return with a monetary gift is what Epaphroditus does here in this section we're looking at today in Philippians. But he would carry a love gift, a love offering. He went to Philippi, Colossae. Uh, Thessalonica, different villages, just to encourage people. You know what I learned about Timothy? Timothy was like others-oriented. Write that somewhere in your notes. If I'm a really strong Christian, I will always be others-oriented. When you're more concerned about others than you are yourself, as we read earlier in Philippians, then you're on your way to becoming more like Jesus. So he was others-oriented. Uh, he, uh, he, he put their interest ahead of his own. He wanted to be a great comfort to Paul. He, uh, he didn't demand his rights. If I say an artist is coming to our town, to our church, and they have a rider, do you know what I'm talking about? You're saying, oh, they have a rider. Could I ride with them? No, that's not the kind of rider I'm talking about. They will send you these contracts, and these contracts will spell out specifically what they expect. 
One time I was in a church and we had Dino come in, and Dino came in, and Dino had to have a, a grand piano the size of an ark, okay? And then he had all these other requests, and we had other artists that would come in. But I remember this one artist, and I'm not going to say any artist's names, but this artist came in, and they let me see, I think it was maybe an event I was doing with students or something for the city. And this artist, true story, they listed out all these things that they demanded, water at this temperature, and a bowl of fruit, and only these fruits, and on and on. And then, 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 they got me. M&Ms, but only green and red ones. Oh, it was a glorious day. I ate everything that wasn't green and red. I was helping them out, you know? But, I mean, it was a little ridiculous. Like, man, where's the servanthood in that? There's a little, you're being a little diva at that point. And the church said, uh, we don't need those around here. And I understand there's a lot of things because the artists that are on the road, they live a hard life and they, and they have poor diets. And I understand, so I, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to slam and go, hey, are you a diva like our pastor was talking about? What's your attitude? Because there's a lot of wonderful, godly artists that just come in and want to serve the causes of Christ. So I don't want to be uh, insensitive to that. But here's what Timothy is. Timothy has an interest, a welfare. He's not self-absorbed. He's not running through some professional exercise. He is just concerned about the cause of Jesus. And he's really concerned about the cause of Christ here that he wants to be a good witness to his uh, mentor. He wants to represent Paul well. Because Paul's poured his life into him. And in the Greek, the word just, it talks about Timothy. He says, he's of equal soul. He is light-minded like me. In other words, Paul was giving him the, the supreme compliment. It says, this young man has learned well. And he's like Jesus. He's becoming like Christ. And a lot of times you read Paul and you think, Paul's a little arrogant. It sounds like he's a little boastful. Become like me and all this. Basically saying, become like my Savior. Become like Christ. And, and this equal soul, he's, he's a Christian brother. He's a true brother. Uh, when One translation, when you read here, you start reading this section about Timothy. It talks about spiritual family. And I love that. He, he was a brother. You, don't you like when somebody, you're, you're their brother. You're their sister. Not biologically. You didn't come from the same mom and dad. But you have a spiritual DNA that locks you together. It's who you are there today. You're the family of God. We're linked together through the blood of Christ. And i got to be honest with you. I feel so much closer to you than I do so many of my blood relatives. And do you feel that way about so many of your people in our church, in your community, than you do your blood relatives? Yes or no? You know why? Because you share the same DNA. You share the same values doesn't mean you don't love your mama and your daddy and your uncle and your aunt and your grandparents and on and on and on. Yes, you love them dearly. But there's something about the people of God that there's this instant connection. It's family. It's brotherhood. It's sisterhood. You know what I'm talking about. You meet somebody on the other side of the world, and all of a sudden there's just this connection through Jesus, and you feel like you've known them all your life. Or you pick up the last conversation you had two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. It's just a Jesus thing. I'm, I'm grateful. So here, they're, they're friends here. The other day, recently, I reconnected with an old friend of 20-something years ago. And we started to have lunch a little bit. You know why I have lunch with him? He pays. No, no, he doesn't pay. You know why I have lunch with him? He really doesn't. He probably wants me to pay. We, we spur each other spiritually. I'm pushed to love Christ more when I'm in his presence. And he tells me the same for me. We, we push back and forth spiritually. 
Do you have a relationship like that? That person makes you more like Christ because they're going to ask the hard questions. They're going to, they're going to share a scripture and it's going to be full of conviction or they're just going to share their in, incredible walk with Christ. I mean, it just pushes you. So here, if you look very verse 19, you move down to 20. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. You know what I'd write down in the first blank? He's sympathetic. That's who Timothy is. He's just sympathetic to his friend. Man, there's deep love. There's a kindred spirit. There's a, a love for the Philippians. There's that maturity that grows when our love for others expands. And that's what Timothy and Paul had. And it was just beautiful. And I'm like, Lord, don't we want to be see, seen as mature veteran believers? Or do we want to be seen as babes in Christ our whole life? The Bible just says grow up. <laughs> grow up in your salvation. A few weeks ago we said exercise your salvation work out your salvation here it is mature be more like christ serve him serve the kingdom of god look at the next one verse 21 let's just look here all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to jesus christ he is selfless timothy is not preoccupied so much with the things of this world but he's occupied with the mission of the gospel and being faithful to his friend Paul and to do that which they had talked and what they'd shared. And he's like, well, I want to send Timothy and Epaphroditus back to you, but, um, but, but he, he's permitted. And, and, and finally, Epaphroditus gets to go and take a gift, and it's a beautiful thing. Just read this section of Scripture. But basically, Paul's like, when Timothy comes, when Epaphroditus comes, they will add value, and there will be a lasting impression because of their witness. And I just wonder about us this morning when, when we're with others, so they go, man, uh, something strengthened me spiritually when you're with me. You make me more. You make me want more of Christ and less of me. You, you have those kind of relationships. If you don't, I pray that you would find some of those and you would ask the Lord for that. Verse 22, but you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. See, there's that not an instant, instantaneous uh, celebrity Hey, mature, you know, hey, drink this and you'll be like Jesus. It's like, man, grow. He is, he is, uh, he is uh, observed. He has studied the scriptures. He honors the scripture. He honors Christ. He honors one another. He walks in humility. He, he walks in the fruitfulness of the spirit. It's just a beautiful thing. He, he's diligent. He's, here he's, here's what Paul would say. Timothy is no rookie. <laughs> Timothy is no novice to ministry. Timothy's been around the block a few times. And, and, and Timothy's ready to go. He's, he's, uh, he's gone through a few tests, and he passed them. You know, like, uh, here we go. Uh, your doctor, you go to your doctor. Aren't you glad that he didn't just do a, a correspondence course online for six weeks and put MD by his name and said, I'm a medical doctor. Come to me. You're like, man, I ain't going to that doctor. He's going to kill me. He probably would, okay? You go to a doctor, you go to a pharmacist, they have gone through a rigorous discipline of studies and hours upon hours. Our own Jeff here, his wife, um, Anna, a pharmacist, man, she, I mean, one time I was in the office and I was watching, I couldn't even pronounce the words. I just looked at one page of what she was doing and she was just putting all this stuff in her head. I went, Jeff, she's really smart. He goes, she really is. And man, she works hard and she's a kind of, I mean, don't, I would want to go to her like, you're my pharmacist, like, you know what you're doing, but you, would you want to go to a pharmacist that just didn't even hardly get out of school and they were really dumb? I don't, you know, and you, you died. And you're like, well, what happened? Well, my pharmacist, my doctor didn't know what they were doing. Well, here it is. This guy, Timothy, he, he proves himself. He's faithful. He's, he's accountable to Paul. 24 times in the scripture, Paul mentions Timothy. He keeps speaking about Timothy. Timothy is my boy. Timothy's my son. Timothy is faithful. 
Uh, you know what I learned about Paul? Paul's not a lone ranger. Paul did life with other people. I speak to that a lot around here about community. It's our middle name. And a lot of you believe it. And some here don't. Somehow you think that you can do this without others. And I want to say it clear. You're wrong. You are wrong. You cannot do this Christian faith without others in the body of Christ. You need one another to walk and to stand with. And they serve the gospel and faithfulness. You know what faithfulness did? It opened doors to the gospel and greater fruitfulness. And man, I just love what Timothy does. And you can read his letters and, and Timothy was available and he, he was reliable. Yeah, you could just write this down. I, I just think this is a good term. Timothy was God's errand boy. You, you remember when you were young and your mom would go, I got a couple errands for you to run. You're like, sure, mom. Especially when you're just getting a license. You're like, you don't care, man. You want to you wanna drive your car anywhere. You want to run an errand for your mom. Now, when you get about 17 or 18, there's this thing called attitude that comes. <laughs> hey, mom. Hey, I ain't your errand boy. Send dad. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's working for you. Hey, send my sister. Your sister's 12. Well, she can walk, you know. Tell her to get on her bicycle and pedal. Yeah, except, you see, you don't really know much about that because when, when I was raised, we had bicycles. We were like Mormons. We rode our bicycles everywhere. <clears throat> True story. I rode my bicycle to school through the ninth grade. Now, I got to tell you what Pastor Keith did when he was seventh grade. I really started thinking girls were cute, okay? So I rode my bicycle all the way from Dalreda to Goodwin, but right before I got to Goodwin, my friend, his mom and dad had gone through a divorce, and they moved in these apartments, and I found this bush. This is a true story. I was so cool, I thought. I would hide my bicycle in the bush, and I would, you did it too, right? And I would walk the rest of the way to school. Be all cool. And then after practice or whatever, I'd pick up my bicycle and I'd go home. I mean, in those days, I ran errands all the time because you just did that. Except I know we don't live in neighborhoods like that and you, you're worried about predators and, and creatures and swans and ducks and, and, and you don't let your kids like run errands and do all that stuff. But anyway, errands, that's what Timothy is. He's an errand boy for God. He's like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll, I'll do it. I'm available. I'm reliable. But then, so he's sympathetic. He's selfless. But look in the middle. It says Epaphroditus was a leader who didn't make a name for himself. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't all about all this fanfare. I mean, when you got a name like Epaphroditus, I mean, you got you to be secure. Although in that day, there's a lot of weird names. So I'm sure Epaphroditus didn't seem weird. But today, if I go, if I go to your office and go, here, Keith, meet Epaphroditus, I'm going to start laughing. I'm gonna like, man, your mom didn't like you. You know, I don't know why she named you that. And I mean, can you imagine a spell Epaphroditus? And you're like, okay, I'm sorry, I gotta keep going. Epaphroditus, he ministered to the needs of the Apostle Paul. He ministered to him physically. He ministered a financial gift. He, he took a gift, a love offering from, from Philippi to the Apostle Paul. And in this, in some commentators would say in that day you even had to have your own clothes and they didn't necessarily have three square meals there for you a day like we do in prison today they would even have to take food to them and clothing and and they were just so, so serious about trying to support them but Epaphroditus goes there to the apostle Paul because Paul's had an influence on his life and he's a good soldier and he's a good friend and it's a spiritual thing it's like a, a spiritual priest he was as he served the purposes of God and it was so much more than emotional or physical needs. He served Paul spiritually. 
Because I think spiritually, the giant that Paul was, he still could get discouraged. And when these Philippian believers would send others and, and he would go, he would encourage. And, and Paul wanted to know, how is the church at Philippi? How are they doing? And they would fill in the gaps and they'd fill in the space and go, hey, so-and-so's growing in his face. So-and-so, he left his wife last week. I, I, I'm just making, I don't know that. Hey, so-and-so's doing this. They're maturing. They're making progress. They're more devoted to Christ than they were when you were here. Hey, it's good. It's good, man. Thank you for sharing. Let me just give you a verse. I wrote down 1 John 3, 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? That's a New Testament passage that says, if I love Christ, then I love my brother and I serve their needs. And here, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they love Paul. They don't go, Paul, you, you know we love you, Paul. They showed up. They showed out. They met needs. And I go, God, this is pretty cool. So look at these things here. He was a true brother and he was a people lover. There are verse 25 and 26, just filling in. He was just a people lover. He just loved the people of God. He loved the people of faith. He was, he was a minister. He, he served the needs of others physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. He was just all in. Secondly, he was a hard worker. He was a fellow worker. He was a member of the household of faith. And he went for it. He goes, God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not opposed to this 800-mile trip. They tell us in history that there were some 600, 800 miles for him to have to travel. And you see, they didn't have text. And they didn't have email. And they didn't have fast cars. And they didn't have any of that stuff. So they, had to, uh, uh, so they had to take these journeys. And it would take weeks to be able to get to another community, to another village. And I call that love. I call that sacrifice. And I call that hard work. And the other thing is, he's filled this in. He was a spiritual fighter. I like that. You know, being a guy, we, we like, y'all like the fights. Okay, well, uh, you know you do. I know your wife's sitting to you like, that's kind of gory. Well, most guys like fights. I don't know. It's just something in us, and we like to conquer stuff. And all the guys said, that's pitiful. You, you know you want to go, amen. You're like, well, I'm sitting next to her. I want her to think I'm gentle and all that. I'm like, well, whatever. Well, I'm just going to tell you this. When you follow Jesus Christ with all your heart, you're a target of the enemy. And he is opposed to your soul. And he'll come after you with everything he's got. So you better learn to be a spiritual fighter here, a fellow soldier, a warrior. Don't you like that word warrior? I just like it. It just means strong. And that's who Epaphroditus was. He was a strong fellow soldier for Christ. And, and then look at the fourth one. You'll love this. He was a risk taker. Now, I don't know about you about taking risks. Some of you love to take risks, and some of you take calculated risks, and some of you take stupid risks, and that's another message for another day. But... Uh, but we take risk and we, we're exposed to danger. We're exposed to difficult situations sometimes. And in, in the Greek here, this word means, it means riskers or gamblers. They roll the dice. <laughs> oh, I like this message. No, I'm not talking about going to casino here. I'm talking about they were just willing to take big risks for the Savior to, to be beat up, to be persecuted, to be locked away. Uh, and yet, they were willing to suffer for the name of Christ, for the cause of Christ, that the gospel would go forward. And I read this. It says, people who play it safe continually miss opportunities and seldom make progress. Let me say that again. People who play it safe continually, day after day, they miss opportunities and they seldom seem to make progress. And I'm just asking that some of us need to take some more risks spiritually. I'm talking about in concert with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you lead me to do this? God might be calling you to risk some money 
for one of his causes. He might be calling you to risk a relationship or to risk something that's really, there's a, there's a lot tied up in there. There's a, there's a price to pay. And you go, but Jesus, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to give up something. By importance here, I'm willing to go with the consequences. I read this verse from the New Contemporary Version. I want you to read, write down Hebrews 6.10. Hebrews 6.10. Listen to this. It says, God is fair. He will not forget the work you did and the love you showed for him by helping his people. And he will remember that you are still helping them. I love that. It just tells me God doesn't forget. He's a good father. And he remembers when I aid, when I come to the support of another person. So faith always means taking risks, doesn't it? So we're a people of faith. We're a people of God. And it means we take risks. The problem is, for me, and probably for all of us, we settle in. And the more we get down the road, we're not as willing to take the risk we once took. So this is a message that, man, has such implications. You just fill in the blanks. Just walk away today and ask the Father this week, Lord, are there some spiritual risks I need to take? Would you show me what they are? And Lord, when you speak to my heart, I will obey. Man, that would be a prayer that would honor Jesus and and how we would relate to him and how we would go after his heart and say, God, I, I want to do it your way. I love what Chip Ingram says. He says, every Christian's life is marked by windows of opportunity that demand that you take a radical step of faith in order to follow Christ and to fulfill his purposes in your life. Wow, Lord, you're calling us today to take radical steps. And I think the Lord would go, I am. You're my mouthpiece. You're my ears. You're my hands. You're my feet. You're my heart. You're my body. Take risk. So, Lord, are you calling me to take a risk in my marriage, my career, my finances, my relationships? And you might say, yeah, I am. Because listen to what this is. Where there is no risk, there's no faith. Where there is no faith, there's no power. Where there is no faith, there's no joy. Where there is no faith, there is no intimacy with God. And some of you right now are going, wow, that's a message in itself, just taking risk. And maybe I'll come back and just do a whole message about risk-taking for the kingdom. But this morning, I just as I'm going working through this about who Timothy and Epaphroditus were, they're risk-takers. But let's look at the next one. Epaphroditus was a willing messenger. He was willing to go where probably other people weren't willing to go. And he carried the gift to Paul as the representative of the people of Philippi. Now, if you notice, there weren't other people in the line with him. He didn't, he didn't travel in caravan or in posse. He traveled alone. He went down there. But he was no rookie. He was no novice. He was, he was seasoned. He was mature. And he went to, to serve the needs of Paul. Uh, a, a term I don't have a lot of time to unpack, but it's just basin theology. If I go, God is calling you and I to basin theologies, here's what it means. I'm willing to take the bowl of Jesus and I'm willing to wash feet in the name of Christ. And you know what I learned about Epaphroditus and Timothy? They were just willing to wash. They were just willing to serve whatever need there was. And they served it effectively for the cause of Christ. And I'm like, Lord, that's what I want. That's what I need. And then look at the other one, the last one. Epaphroditus was a sensitive encourager. He was sensitive to the needs of people, especially to the needs of Paul. And he encouraged him in the faith, and he, and he shared with him, and he came alongside. And while he was there... Or on, on the way there, he didn't have travel medicines like we do. He got sick. And some would call it the Roman fever. The, the bottom line is on this 800-mile journey, he got one, one commentator says it was Caesar's revenge. You ever had Montezuma's revenge when you were in another country? 
You getting, a, you getting a picture of it now? You see, he didn't get his, he didn't get his uh, hepatitis and his yellow fever shots before he went. Have you ever been to other countries and had to get those shots? I've been to Africa and Venezuela and Brazil and all these countries. But when you go to Africa, let me tell you, I shouldn't tell you this, but it's a true story. If you never want to give blood again, go to Africa. I used to give blood all the time. Don't I tell you, I loved it. We used to have blood drives here, and I love to be the example and model, and I give blood. But once I went to Africa, see, when I went to Venezuela and other countries, they go, hold on just a minute. And they'd go out and they'd call people and they'd look in their book and they'd go, uh, Venezuela, were you in the jungle? Yes. Uh, how long ago? And, and they'd start checking all their guidelines. In other countries, yeah, come, give blood, hey, give a court, you know? And, but then they'd go, I don't know. When I went to Africa, <laughs> I just get free t shirts now. I walk in, I go, hey, I'm here to give blood. They're like, Okay, have you been to, da, 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 and they go, you've been to Africa? I go, yes. They go, thank you. Have some peanut butter cookies and leave. Now, maybe, maybe there's a timeline. Maybe I'm going to be able to be okay now that I can go again. But the, 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 what I'm telling you, that story is this. They didn't get all these shots. They didn't have this. He just got sick. He almost died. And, and Paul, Paul has compassion. We think Paul's a hard guy. Paul is worried about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus wants to go back to the people. So, so he sends him back, and, 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 but he's concerned that the people are worried about him. I mean, there's all this sensitivity going, and I'm like, man, this is cool. And you're saying, but Paul, why didn't Paul heal him? Well, I, I don't know, but he didn't. I mean, there was a lot of healings in that day, and there's still healings today. But I'll know this. At the end of the day, you know who heals? The Lord. The Lord heals, not man. Amen? So God heals, and he chose not to heal him, and maybe to build their faith. And so my thought just comes to this. Who's adding value to your life today? Are you a Timothy? Are you a Paproditus? <clears throat> Are you like them? And as we're wrapping this up, because I could go for an hour, and you're like, please don't. <laughs> Look in that box, a little yellow insert. Learn to be a servant. Learn to be a servant. And then learn to bless a servant. See, Christ calls you and me to be servants of the most high God, of the kingdom of Christ, of the kingdom of light. But as long as we're servants, but then he also says, now I want you to bless those that serve my purposes and they serve my cause and they're mature and they have a servant and they're, they're courageous and, and they don't fail the mission. Some would go, well, did Epaphroditus fail? Absolutely not. He was faithful to that which God had called him. And they welcome him back. And, and then the scripture, if you move down here, he goes, he's a co-worker, he's a fellow soldier. Move down at verse 28. So I am the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know that you'll be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you, that deep concern. Welcome him with Christian love, with great joy. The theme of this series is joy. And give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Here's all I know. You esteem, you honor, you value those that serve Jesus. That's what Timothy, Paul, Paphroditus are trying to teach us in this book here today. So I got a couple applications at the end of your page, and we're going to sing a great song of worship. Are you like-minded with Timothy in that you care more for others than pleasing yourself? It's just a time to do self-evaluation. It's real convicting. I understand but it's a great question. The second question is simply this. What have you actually sacrificed in order that others might know Christ? See, sometimes we have to sacrifice our money, our time, our energy, our life, our comfortability that others might know Christ. And here's the third question. It's spelled out. Do you ever give up sleep to pray for others? I did that this week. Uh, you know, I don't particularly like to wake up. <laughs> 
it, it, ungodly hours, but the Lord had me up, and it was to pray for the needs of our church and some, some things in my heart. And, and so maybe the Lord's leading you to do that sometimes. Instead of just getting mad at God, saying, Father, I'm awake. Is there a reason? Is there somebody you want me to pray for? And so many times the Holy Spirit will drop a person in your heart. And we don't know the difference that we make that our prayers touch heaven. How many believe that today? That your prayers are effective when you're righteous in Christ Jesus. So this morning, we just had a simple study to say, let's be like Timothy and Epaphroditus. Let's be the dream team for God. Let's pray. Lord, it is fun to be in your house today, and God, that you give us faith. So Lord, I ask that you give us greater faith today than when we came in. I pray that we would be willing to take some risks today, Father, that maybe we weren't willing to take before we got here today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in my heart and my friends with conviction and you would change us and you would transform us to be more like Christ. Lord, forgive me when I'm not so concerned about others, but I'm more concerned about me. Help me to have the heart of a Timothy and an Epaphroditus. Help me to have the heart of Jesus. And Lord, fill us with joy here today. For we gather in the name of Christ and we sing praises to our God. And this morning, if you're concerned or you're wondering about this precious Savior, I, I invite you to maybe meet me in the back of the room. I'd love to talk to you about committing your life personally to Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of heaven. He is the Lord of the resurrection. He's the Lord who redeems. Call upon his name. Hey, everybody stand to your feet and let's sing this great song together. Would everybody stand? Let's sing together.